Hi and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily Podcast where I, Mario De Cristofano, will talk to you about life as a digital delivery manager. Uh, we'll talk about strategy, tactics, things to do, not to do, and wrap that up in a way which makes sense for you. This is a daily series of podcasts which are released on both your favourite podcast software but also a video version on YouTube if you wish. So if you want to get in touch, get involved in the podcast, maybe be a sponsor or just have an opinion, uh, get in touch via Twitter at MarioDC. And don't forget to check out the video version of this podcast on YouTube, The Delivery Manager Daily. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone. It is episode nine and it's a quick, uh, a quick escalation of where we've got to since episode one on this episode I wanted to talk about hybrid working and I know that this is a, a topic of conversation for many and something that I'm involved with so on this uh, episode of the podcast I've got a former colleague of mine and someone who I know uh, very well in the industry who is a peer and an expert in this kind of thing so welcome on to the Delivery Manager Daily Ian, Ian Fisher uh, thank you and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi Mario good to meet you again um, yeah it's been a we, we chat regularly but it's been a while since we've actually delivered something together um, yeah, um, yeah. I'm Ian Fisher, so I'm a, I'm a director of a consulting firm, and I'm the global future of work lead. So um, I've published a number of ebooks out there. It's called the 90 Days series. Uh, if you put Ian Fisher and the future of work into Google, you'll uh, you'll see all you need to see. So I think I'm the top 10 hits. But in terms of the pandemic, pre-pandemic, I worked on the future of work anyway because it's uh, it was there, but it's just accelerated it with the pandemic, and now. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a negative thing, but it's also become a good carrot. So lots of uh, lots of change. So what? So one one of the one of the challenges that that I see certainly for the organisations that I work for or consult for is what's it going to look like? Because the the practical reality of the hybrid work, working model is going to be really difficult, right? What kind of problems do you see for a company encouraging people to get back to work, and maybe the staff that don't want to come back? Because they've got quite a good gig now working from home, no expenses. Yeah. So, what what kind of challenges are you seeing? Uh, well, we 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 are not going to get through this in twenty minutes. If that's the question, uh, that is a, that's the behemoth. I think uh, I'd rather solve world hunger than than try and solve that. But the the main ones are mismatch of expectations. Um, and what do I mean by that? Management expecting one thing, employees expecting another. There are a whole host of logistical challenges. There are a whole host of um, regulatory and legal challenges that you're going to have to overcome and then there's a host of people challenges too about how we actually work so if you break it down um most people want to return to an office somewhere between one and three days per week right usually um i forget the the, the source but there was a, a nice graphic that was published i think it might have been actually in bloomberg where they they showed of all the typical work things that you would do there's only three things you really need to do in an office. One is to meet other people, to socialize. One is to effectively deliver something. And the third thing is to have training or upskill. That's better done face-to-face -face usually. The rest are all typically, most people say, better done remotely. However, when the first thing that they, they mentioned was the meeting people socially. That's one of the biggest issues we've been seeing in terms of remote work. So how do you, how do you, keep an office which costs money just to have people to come back and socialize and the other thing is you've now got to when it comes to the mismatch of expectations the second thing is management expect employees to come back a certain amount of time because they're paying for an office most of them are leased right you, you've got yeah. in some cases four or five six year leases and therefore that's sunk cost so you need people to come back and use that so what do you use the office for 
well, I want to come back to the office one day a week. That's great. But you want to come back another day a week. What's the point? <laughs> you know, you're going to an office to sit and do email and you're not really going to meet your objective because yeah. you're not going to socialize. So the key thing is really to understand what people want. And the, the main thing that we've just launched is, um, you know, we've, we've done a number of them, but the biggest one we're doing now is about five and a half thousand people. We're serving to understand how they want to work in the future work. And it's you're, you're doing that with a, with a survey. Yeah, well, we're, we're doing that with a client right now. We've utilized our future work survey that we, we built right. and we launched it to two different groups, which were then splicing into functional areas. And we're, we're helping the organization understand the differences because expectation mismatch is one of the key things. And they're fully open to redesigning the, the way they want to work. Other organizations we're working with have given us a diktat that um, you know, we, we expect everyone back in the office a minimum of 50% of the month or in another organization, um, everyone's coming back to the office and will have to apply on a case-by-case -case basis to work at home. C can you imagine the paperwork that management are going to have to go through to well, do that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's something It's something I, I talk about. I mean, you've also got, I guess, the workforce that, that you're going to have a genuine group of people that are going to try and, and do a hybrid working model. But then you've got a bunch of staff that have thought, hold on a minute, I don't have to spend anything on a commute now. Uh, I'm quite mm -hmm. comfortable at home. I've spent 10 grand on gadgets and kit in my home. The nature of my work's changed where going back to an office, it's like it doesn't feel right. So they're going to game the situation for their advantage. How do you think companies, when you've got 800 employees that not only don't want to come back to work, start to say, oh, well, I'm uncomfortable because of COVID. What do you think the strategy is going to be to kind of combat that? Um, so that, that's only going to have legs for so long, right? And, and I'm not getting into any of the conspiracies about COVID. And, and, and FYI for the listeners, Ian's got a very specific opinion on COVID, and I think he's done a couple of um, talks about it on his YouTube channel, so I'll make sure that they're included in the link. Let, let me just be clear. COVID is a real thing. COVID is, I, I have my... I didn't say you're a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> My my best my best man at my wedding was in a, a ninety day coma due to clinic. So try to due to COVID. So trust me, it's it's a real thing, right? My problem is the way it's been dealt with, and the fact that it's um, it, it's a three part process. Very briefly, you've kind of got input, which is people coming in and out of the country. You've got a box, which is the country, and then you've got output, which is people leaving or moving around. Yeah. And unfortunately, they haven't shut the box, so people still come in. So you get fresh fresh virus coming in which is a variant and everything else. You also get mutations in, in the box in the country. But like Australia, as one of my, my YouTube videos shows, they shut the doors and they've pretty much been clear since the start of the pandemic. I think New Zealand, New Zealand's had 1,200 cases or something. I'll get the number wrong. But since the start of the pandemic, you know, it's, yeah. I think it's like 18 deaths, ridiculously low. So there are lessons to be learned. But anyway, to, to answer your question, the, the COVID situation will maintain, but it, is it going to be the new millennium bug, you know, where everyone has to start prepping offices and practicing this and having, you know, we, we've been asked around COVID tracking apps for facilities management because of the risk-based algorithms around, you know, think about contracts. What happens if you walk into one of your client's offices with COVID and take out the entire office? You know, that that's a commercial risk yeah. that you have to think about. So there is a real... There is a real thing here that we need to, to look at, but it's probably not top of mind because if you think about the transition, everyone worked at home usually on a Monday or a Friday, usually a Friday before the pandemic. You had a laptop, you had broadband, you know, it was all it was all working. We just escalated that into five days a week. 
and it all still worked. The problem is that the processes people used and worked with and the way where they worked didn't wasn't suited to long term working and therefore some companies struggled. You know, 25% of organizations in the UK had to pause or stop trading completely in the in the pandemic. Um, right. and, and therefore, how you get back to work is not the same way. There has to be a fundamental reset. Uh, is not the same way as you went back to work and evolved before the pandemic. So what do I mean by that? I mean, your customer base has changed. The way people consume services and products has now moved much more digital. Therefore, your old ways of working may not work. So you can't just go back to what you want. Now, layer the people on top of that. You're always going to have the, the people who want to work. You're going to have the people who maybe want to work at home and uh, I'm working at home. And then you're <laughs> going to have people in some organizations who generally take the mic, you know, and this is going to be the difference. So there's really... Do you, do you think that situation gives those people that take the mic a bigger opportunity to take the mic over a longer period? Or do you actually just think, you know, COVID aside, at some point, employers are going to be like, come on, back to the office, your contract was, you're in the office. And I know you can't broad brush that across every industry and every type of mm. work. For as management consultants that are used to getting on planes and traveling, and now all of a sudden we've had this kind of cushy, uh, being at home for 12 months. Um, well, is yeah, it an opportunity speak. for people <laughs> to, to swing the ladder a bit? Well, so speak, speak, speak for yourself. So if I, if I just, uh, if I just sort of give you a personal example. So I, as you know, I live up near Edinburgh now, right, since I moved. In the and middle of nowhere, yeah. In the middle of nowhere, yeah. So well, we got electricity last week. So um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I used to have to add three hours of travel anywhere I went. So when we worked in London or we worked abroad, um, I, I always remember, had to connect. Yeah. And therefore, I usually got up at four on a Monday to get the six o'clock flight to Heathrow, connect, and then travel somewhere else, right? Um, that's now obviously not getting up at four. I'm you know, getting up later. But now the, early, the day starts earlier because it's full of meetings. And the day finishes later. And the reason it finishes later is you now have a global workforce. So one of the key benefits of COVID from a workforce perspective is talent is no longer regional. You've got people, even if you looked on LinkedIn, for instance, you can see there are a lot more people recruiting remote jobs. So you don't have to hire people in your local area or say you have to re, uh, you know, uh, relocate. Uh, you know, I've, I've got people I know of in uh, organizations I'm working with who are based in Newcastle who now work in London. And that would never have happened before because you would have had to commute. So um, and that's really a, remote job. I was going to say, is there an expectation mismanagement now? So all that time. So for, for people listening, I used to work with Ian. And what, as Ian said, he, he, he lives at like the arse end of the, UK, of, the, of the UK. And he was always on planes and trains. And that's a lot of lost productivity. And now you've not been doing that, assuming that you've been working in that time. What happens when we're in quotes, we go back to normal and all of a sudden you're back on an easy jet traveling across, uh, traveling across the UK for three hours and delays. I, I, I challenge and work, that. And clients are like, no, come on, you've been working until uh, 11 o'clock at night. Why can't you do it now? Do you, how do you think they're going to manage that? So I, I, I would challenge that personally because I, I don't see... I, I think consulting specifically in business has now realized the actual true cost of doing business. So from an expenses point of view, so yeah. you think the average consultant traveling probably expenses somewhere between 800 and 1500 a week in terms of depending on the, the, the trip and the, the, you know, the, the, the travel. Um, uh, that's a hell of a saving when you think about it for every project. So off the bottom line, 
your non-recoverable expense has suddenly shot up. That's bottom line recovery. So I, I don't see it going back okay. to probably more than 20, 30% of, of that type of work. The reason being is business has successfully delivered in many areas with no downsides whatsoever. Yeah, the human side may have suffered slightly because of you know, burnout and extra workload and all that kind of stuff. But the, the actual physical delivery hasn't really changed. And you can still go to an office, should you need to, to deliver training or face-to-face -face or meet people. So I think it's going to be much more blended in the hybrid environment. And it will really be much more justified as to why you have to go somewhere. So you know, the, it used to be, if you remember, in large corporates where um, they used to do expense clampdowns and they were saying, we want you to, you know, to, to try and look at a meeting, but try and look at video conferencing or other options first option. and then that can justify the travel, right? I used to work in a very large one where that happened. Now, um, you know, it then moved to your client needs you, you go to where you need to go to. That isn't going to happen in the future. It, you just can't afford it. So I don't think, you know, industry-wise, aviation hotels are going to go back to the same way because it's the space usage is going to change. They're not going to have the same number of bed nights. They're not going to have the same number of mileage, you know, trips in the air. And that is unfortunately the, the future, you know, the future work. If you, you know, if you look at, um, if you think this is going back anytime soon, by the way, again, this is not conspiracy theory. The, the government is, and in Scotland, it was on the news last night, they, they are looking at a paper on what they're calling the actual new normal. So they're expecting some oh, form okay. of restrictions to continue for years down the line. Um, and, you know, because when you go back to level zero, which in Scotland is no restrictions, you would assume that that means no restrictions, but not according to the, with the papers and the news yesterday. No yeah. restriction means no restrictions light. And, uh, and Boris Johnson is looking at the same thing in England. So there is still going to be, um, given the emergency powers runs out, I think in 2022 now, they're just voting on it in Parliament. So it's September 2022 is when they're expecting coronavirus powers to run out. And, and they, so this is not going away for a considerable time, you know, whether COVID's around or not. Interesting. And what about technology? So how many companies are you working for? What are you seeing in the industry? And obviously, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't use video conferencing tools as much as they have now. But um, any comp any areas of industry that you think aren't ready for this new normal you, with the technology that they've got or any technology problems that you see? Um, yeah, so, so obviously Teams is huge. Um, yeah, I think it was between Zoom and Teams. Zoom saw something like 200 million minutes in the first Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it it was, was crazy. Yeah, they're growing. You know? Yeah. Um, but Teams has exploded. Everyone's now on Teams, everything's social. The technology has vastly improved over what we had before. It's not new, it's accelerated, right? So from a Teams perspective, you can now share documents, you can chat like this, you can collaborate, you can do lots of things. What it doesn't really do is it's not great, going back to those three things again, it's not great for proper workshops. It's not great for capturing. You have to bring in lots of, um, you know, lots of different technologies. So for instance, Miro or whatever else is, not connected to teams you have to go to a different technology and you, Therefore, you lose the water cooler moment as well right you lose that opportunity to yeah, and this is, yeah this is the other bit so the technology wise is is fine from a point of view of its internal but the minute you start trying to work externally you've then got spans of control and different uh, you know different environments to deal with so the companies i'm working with they cannot connect to some of their customers because they use a different thing and therefore, you know, trying to whiteboard with someone who's not in your instance of Teams is impossible. Yeah. You have to be in the, the same instance. Um, the, the same goes for socialization and water coolers. So low tech, you know, high, high sort of high touch in terms of personalization. Um, 
people miss the water cooler. And well, interestingly, in, in one of the surveys I'm doing now, the so there's a bit of buyer's remorse. So some of them went back to an office and they were in a, a key key worker area um, to have meetings. And they went, you know what? It wasn't all it was cracked up to me. I enjoyed seeing them, but having to travel for a two-hour meeting to then yeah. just have that moment, they've kind of done it now and they're over it. So there is that, um, you know, not fear of the unknown, but fear of the back to what was known. Um, so I think once they've done it, they'll realise actually what is important. And for me, it's about people being able to choose what they want to do, because there is now no excuse when you look at effectively, it is the employed gig economy where people have the ability to do what they want to do. And business has no reason not to A, trust them if they have the right um, management things in place. B, if it's outcome focused, they can track it and people can deliver. And we're all adults. We should just be treated you know, to, to yeah. deliver it. There will always be the Mickey takers and you have processes to deal with that. But business has worked for 15 months. There's no reason to backtrack right now. But you know, there are there are some, and this is where it comes for me down to choice. There are some who have said to me, I used to enjoy going on the train. I used to enjoy switching off. I used to sit, enjoy sitting on a plane because yes, I could still work, but no one could contact me. So I could have dedicated work. You like the work champagne and the um, the flight <laughs> attendants, right? <laughs> we didn't work for that company, no. <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately that's um, no, that wasn't the, uh, the the well. I was always driving the other end, so that's a clear no. <laughs> but the um. No, it was nice just to sit on the plane, whether you were squished in the back or you were up front, it didn't matter, but you had a little table to work on and you could just sleep or switch off or work or do what you wanted. But you then also, whilst most people like, oh, I had to stand in a queue for a plane, that was switch off time. You basically, your brain just switched off. Um, that is the biggest thing right now that most people are reporting is the inability to switch off. So yeah, you're that, going from a call to a call to a call to a call. That, uh, you know, that's, that's mentally not good. Yeah. Yeah, that fatigue we see all the time. Uh, yeah. Zoom fatigue's a thing, but you find people have just. Can you, imagine, can you imagine being a company that's attributed to that phrase, Zoom fatigue? Well, how, how bad a customer experience is that, or a brand experience? Yeah. Well, it's a bit like Corona, right? <laughs> they 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 dropped 130 million dollars in <laughs> in sales just because of the brand named Corona. Yeah. In fact, there was a meme. Uh, there was a meme where I think I can't remember if it was them. It was on uh, Instagram where the, has somebody put a bottle of Corona and they had basically um, three bottles of Corona that were marching to the left and they had rebranded Corona with the word Ebola and went, this is safer. Oh, no. <laughs> that was the thing. So it was, well, it, it's, a, it's a kind of self-adulation um, or self-pity, but it, yeah, that is the kind of thing that people associate with. Corona beer, nothing to do with it, but it lost $130 million. So tell us what you're working on at the minute. What do you want to plug? What is Ian doing? Where can people find you if they want to? There's loads to talk about in the very short time we've got. Yeah, yeah it's um, you know, what's keeping me busy. Like I said, it's longer than longer than 20 minutes. Um, like I said, the, the thing, if, if everyone's interested in this, the key thing to go is go and read the books, right? So that there's three of them at the moment. Fourth one's been published. If you put um, Ian Fisher and 90 Days Later into Google, you'll get the ISG 90 Days series popping up. Um, they're 30 to 50 pages long. It explains the pandemic, explains the financials, explains the back to work. And I have read that. Out. It's really good, actually, I must say. Um, yeah, it's, that's a labour of love. And it's, um, they, they are, um, like, they, I won't say sponsor because they're not sponsored. That's not true. But as part of my work, I'm scanning the market to see which providers are doing good stuff. And when I find something that I will badge as unique because I have turned people away, um we we write about it and we we kind of wire it in because it's it's worth knowing what's going on so 
the latest one around people and digital um, interaction, which we've just been talking about, the hybrid workforce, uh, you know, has augmentation of AI and virtual assistants. It has, you know, productivity tools, back to work, generational differences. It's a really good read. So um, I'm not going to plug a service. It's just go, go read the book. It's free. <laughs> nice. Nice. Ian, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and I'm very grateful uh, to have you on for episode nine. So thank you very much for your time and for those listening. Obviously, you can watch this on YouTube and, and get to see Ian as well, and you can listen on all your favourite uh, podcast software as well. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioBC and look forward to talking to you again on the Delivery Manager Daily for episode 10. Thank you.